We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 907 on Total Information AM on KMOX with Debbie Monterey. I'm Tom Ackerman, and we welcome into the studio. Great to be back with former state senator, political science professor, political rising star, currently the executive director for the Missouri Workforce Housing Association, knows as well as anyone getting out of prison and starting over, and that is Jeff Smith. Welcome back to KMOX. Thank you. Former political rising star. star. Yeah, you that's left okay. Out the former. That's oh. okay. Well, I said former state senator. Former rising my star. My former state senator. You're Aww. a rising star in my book. I've known you uh, for a long, long time. And uh, my friend, it's great to see you back again uh, on KMOX. How are you, first of all? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, got my uh, kiddos today. My wife is out rock climbing uh, down in southern Missouri. Wow, so. like legit rock climbing, legit not like rock an indoor climbing. rock climbing? Like legit rock climbing. Yeah, my, my, my whole family, are uh, they're all incredible rock climbers. And so I got a father-son football game planned for noon and then some good quality time with my daughter. So I'm excited for the day. Awesome. Well, just to remind people who may be sleepy on a, on a day off, you went to prison for lying to the FBI about a political mailer during your campaign. And in the past few years, we have seen quite a lot of politicians lying to the FBI and a lot of other places with zero consequences. So I think of you often when I see how things are spiraling these days. And I wonder if it doesn't just drive you crazy. And sometimes about things a little bigger than postcards. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I definitely have my days where I read the headlines and think uh, that... Um, you know, uh, the world isn't fair, but like I tell my kids just about every day, life isn't fair. And, you know, uh, somebody's always got to be the person who gets caught. And it's hard to process that when you're going through it. But it's actually probably a healthy lesson for like the rest of your life after that to realize that, uh, you know, you um, um, have to sometimes pause and discard all the ambition you had and the goals you had and start over. Um, which is what I had to do uh, in, in my life. And, you know, I tried to look at it uh, as a really unique opportunity, if you will, to see a world that millions of Americans experience every year, but not many people um, with my background do. Um, I was a, a political science professor and a, and a state senator, so I was a, a researcher and a lawmaker, um, but I didn't really understand the way that the prison system worked, of course, until I was there myself. And that gave me uh, an, a new perspective. And so I had kind of three different lenses into how our criminal justice system worked. Um, and, you know, as someone who wrote the laws, as someone who 
researched public policy, but then as someone who was in the, you know, in the middle of it, uh, in prison, seeing it from that angle, um, I think gave me a, a new perspective and a helpful one that I incorporate now into my work. Uh, part of what I do is is lobby the Missouri legislature around criminal justice issues and try and, and I also chair the oversight board for the St. Louis County Jail uh, and work to try to create the most humane and rehabilitative jail uh, in, in the country. Um, so we had a lot of work to do in St. Louis County. You guys remember a few years ago there were deaths in the facility. Um, there was not a very positive culture and we're working to turn that around. So um, yeah, there are days when it's tough to read the headlines, but for the most part, I just feel incredibly blessed to get to do the, the work that I do every day. Lamar Johnson spent nearly 30 years in prison. He has been released. He has been set free for a murder he did not commit, a wrongful conviction, but he also gets out of prison with no money. Uh, he has nothing. What What is he facing right now? He's facing... Uh, a jarring, disorienting experience. Um, you know, when you're locked up, even for a short time, you know, I was away for a year, uh, but even in that short amount of time, you begin to experience some things that people in prison would call being institutionalized, right? Being, uh, finding prison to be more like home than your actual home. Um, I just think about things that I did while I was locked up, you know, that, that I don't think about much, but you know, I was working in the warehouse on the loading dock uh, at, at a federal prison in, in southeast Kentucky. And in order to keep myself from getting uh, food planted on me, you know, basically I wasn't stealing and all the other guys were stealing. And the reason they were stealing is pretty simple. Everyone assumes that when you're in prison, you got it made, you get three hots and a cot. But actually, most people in prison are destitute. They have no one to send the money in. I did, but most people didn't. I wasn't wealthy, but someone could send me 50 bucks, 100 bucks when I needed money for a phone call. Most people don't have any of that. Uh, And so you develop a hustle. And for the guys who worked in the warehouse, their hustle was to steal onions or green peppers or, you know, other food and go back to the yard and and trade it for other things that they need. That they Uh, would need money for the commissary to get basic supplies. Exactly. I mean, you know, people in prison... um, You have to buy your own shampoo. You got to buy your own deodorant. You got to buy your own uh, toothpaste, toothbrush. So my my wage was $5.25. That was not an hourly wage. It was a monthly wage. And so if you're making a couple cents uh, an hour and the phone calls where I was were, you know, one to two dollars a minute, um, most people could only afford two or three minutes on the phone in a month which is just insane because we know that one of only two things that can happen during incarceration that can meaningfully reduce the likelihood that you'll go back is staying in touch with your loved ones. So we shouldn't make it prohibitively expensive to do that, uh, which is one reason that I'm working um, with a nonprofit called Missouri Appleseed to try to cap uh, prison phone rates and jail phone rates throughout the state. Which I don't know if people understand how exorbitantly expensive. I mean, it really seems like a racket, the phone system in prisons. Yeah, no, it it absolutely is a big profit center. Um, And uh, in a lot of these contracts, the jail, the correctional facility itself gets like a cut of the, you know, of the profits. And so there's an incentive, no incentive for them. You know, it's not like most things in the world, right? It's like, you know, you go to the prison commissary, there is, 
It's like if you go to Walgreens and you don't like the prices or you don't like the selection, you go to CVS. But there's no choice for consumers in prison. And whether it's phone companies or other companies that sell into the commissary, they can take advantage of that by selling at marked up prices uh, for goods that are inferior. Now, look, I'm not saying that every prisoner deserves like filet mignon, but they deserve to be treated like humans. And 95 percent of the people who are in prison are coming back to this community, just like Lamar Johnson is. And, you know, we need to do right by them because that's 600, you know, 25, 650,000 people every year that are coming back to our communities, appearing on our doorsteps uh, in the same communities where they've already failed once before, except now they've got the added stigma of a prison record. That's going to make it harder to get employment. It's going to make it harder to find housing. And it produces psychological scars that make it tough for people to fit in and do well when they come home. And so we need to do better uh, because it's just going to cost all of us more money if they end up going back, and it's going to make our communities less safe. I wrote a little bit in my book um, that I wrote when I came out of prison about these kind of psychological scars. And uh, you mind if I take Please this? Please do. Okay. Yeah. It's well known that some prisoners develop an anti-authority strain. Uh, which serves them poorly upon reentry. But what's less well understood is that the survival mechanisms they develop inside are unlikely to serve them well either. After coping with incarceration by teaching yourself to feel nothing, how can you learn to appropriately express emotion upon reentry? The challenges of coming home are both large and small, but even the seemingly small ones can be intense. The number of choices in a supermarket can be overwhelming as can the myriad of decisions required every day, what clothes to wear, what bus to take, what to say and how to act in unfamiliar social settings. After a decade of obeying orders, the sudden deluge of choices can overwhelm people. And more broadly, many ex-offenders experience symptoms of PTSD not unlike war veterans. Despite leaving prison physically, it takes some people years to leave mentally. And for those who can't cope on the outside, Returning to prison can seem comforting and familiar. Just one more factor helping explain our sky-high recidivism rate. And that's even more, uh, I think, um, intense for someone who has been there for most of their right. life. Like Lamar years. Johnson. This is not someone who was, you know, out on, in society for 25 years, went away for three or four years and is coming back. It's someone who has literally spent the majority of, of their entire life and, and uh, probably 90% of their adult life inside. So, you know, he'll have unusual opportunities, I think, because of the nature of his story. And there may be opportunities for him. Maybe someone wants to make a movie about his experience or or something else. But when all of the hype ends, he's going to have some, a lot to work out, a lot to work through. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled that he was finally freed after the inaction of, uh, you know, previous attorney generals, but it isn't going to be easy. Jeff Smith is our guest and we need to take a break, but you can stay with us for the next segment, right? Sure. Okay. Jeff Smith is our guest in studio. Total Information AM continues for 96 years. KMOX. Jeff Smith is with us in studio with Debbie Monterey. I'm Tom Ackerman. This is Total Information AM. Let me go back to two things with you real quick. What were the onions and green peppers for? Is that like uh, when you trade in the warehouse, is that like to fire up a burrito, kind of, kind of, you know, spice up the food a little bit rather and, than and, the bland stuff they serve on trays? 
So when you leave prison, um, people try to do a celebration for you. Uh, if you're, as long as you're, like, well-liked in your unit, uh, uh, on your cell block. And the main way they did it where I was was by making a nacho. Mm-hmm. So you would, everybody would have, like, a connection either in, somebody would have a connection in the warehouse, somebody would have a connection in the kitchen, and you would try to get, uh, and then you could buy some stuff from commissary. But the real luxuries were the stuff that you couldn't buy at commissary and never actually made it to the kitchen, right? Because lots of high value things like onions or like fresh, you know, produce never actually made it to our trays in the chow hall because those of us in the warehouse who got the first crack at them and those people in the kitchen got the second crack at them. So they never actually made it for, for most people. So, um, people would take little things to, to make, uh, a nacho, you know, like a dish with rice and sometimes chips and vegetables Sometimes if you could get a beef log, chop up some beef in there, and that was sort of the delicacy that you would use to send people off when they were going home. Wow. Gotcha. And well, I should just say, just real quick, I'm not like an inveterate thief, but right. as I was like alluding to earlier, the guys that I was in the warehouse with when I first got there my, my first week, I was told that they were going to plant raw meat in my freezer jacket because they suspected that, uh, you know, I was a little different. I was like... You know, 99% of the guys in there were, were in for drug charges. And so I was, uh, they knew I was a little different. And <laughs> that at first made them think that I was a plant by the prison mm. to catch other people who were stealing since I was the only person who wasn't stealing. So they were going to plant raw meat in my freezer jacket, which gives you a really high penalty if you steal that because it could lead to um, E. coli. There's no refrigerators, obviously, in people's cells. Everybody wants meat because there's protein and everybody's bodybuilding. So that's what they were going to – and I didn't – I couldn't afford to get a new charge. I didn't want to be in the hole for my whole year. And so instead of risking getting raw meat in my freezer jacket, I decided to steal things that where the penalty would be much lower if I got caught, like fruit or vegetables. Well, you actually did a TED Talk on – why we should harness this entrepreneurial spirit. Because what you're telling us is people are pretty clever. When when push comes to shove, people will survive. And uh, what what could we be doing with that entrepreneurial spirit? That is such a great question. Um, if there's one defining trait of people I met in prison, it's ingenuity, right? The ability to kind of figure it out and do more with less. And as I tell people, there's no concept that you could learn at Washu's business school or Wharton that you couldn't learn inside federal <laughs> prison, right? Like new product launch, supply chain management, quality control, barriers to entry, territorial ex- expansion, all these different concepts people could explain in the parlance of the drug trade. Uh, but if you channel those energies and help people get into the business world, get into the work world successfully, there's a huge amount of untapped talent inside of our uh, inside of our prisons and jails in this country, which is why um, w- one thing that I work on uh, now is through St. Louis University's Transformative Workforce Academy, which is a hub for our region's second chance employment opportunities. What TWA does is uh, using volunteer job coaches makes videos of people who have just come out of prison or jail or are about to leave, and they make a three-minute video, tell their story. Here's my work history. Here are my goals in life. uh, And here's how the adversity that I've 
overcome has made me stronger and a better employee. TWA packages those reels, customizes a video reel for each participating company, and then the companies can say, hey, here's who we'd like to interview and potentially hire. So uh, it's it's a great program if anybody is interested in becoming a volunteer job coach because uh, everybody who comes through gets a one-on-one uh, coach or if anyone out there is an employer um, or a hiring manager who's interested in hiring, please feel free to reach out to me, jeff.smith at slu.edu or on Twitter at jeffsmithmo. Can I ask you something? You're, you're, you've been a free man for a long time here. Uh, you got a nice pressed white dress shirt on. You've got a big day ahead <laughs> of you. You're going to be out in the beautiful weather and family and kids and all this stuff coming. Do you, though, miss aspects of prison? At times, do you miss people? I do miss people. I have a couple guys that I stay in touch with, uh, even from over a decade ago when I got out. Um, I miss. <sighs> there was a special camaraderie, you know, that that you built with people, um, and you know, there are there were some. I know it sounds crazy but there are people there that I would trust with my life. And even though some who I haven't seen in more than a decade, you know, um, I would still let them take care of my kids. Uh, I met some of the best people I've ever known in my life inside prison. Um, And so, yeah, there are definitely aspects of it that I do miss. There's a lot of aspects that I don't miss. Um, It can be a very dehumanizing experience. And a lot of people still feel, uh, get traumatized by things that happened to them while they were incarcerated, even if it were years ago. It's been more than a decade. And when I hear keys jangling, it still makes my body Mm. tense up because Mm. I can hear that huge keychain of the CO uh, running up to shake down my cell because they would come, they knew that I was taking notes. They were afraid that I would write a book. And so they'd come, you know, once every week or two and just, you know, tear up everything in and, and, and look for my notes, which I had already uh, been involved in an exchange with another prisoner where he would store my notes in exchange for me stealing an onion or a green pepper form yeah. oh. uh, every couple of days. But um, certainly it's a disorienting experience to come home. When I came home, I had it better than 99.9% of people that come home in this country. I had connections. I had a great education. I had a family to come home to. I'm white. In almost every way, I had advantages relative to most people, and it was really hard for me uh, to even find a good job. My first interview, I interviewed with a small nonprofit, and at the end of it, the vice chair of the board said, you know, why shouldn't we let another organization hire you? And then we could just hire you away from them in a year or so, once the aroma has begun to wear off. They actually said that? They did. So that's the kind of question that I got. With my background, imagine how hard it is for most people who come out of prison in this country. So if you can, you know, if you're interested, um, it's not just, I think, um, a great way to help people in need. Many people who who have the potential and the intelligence to become great contributing citizens and employees. It can also be a really edifying experience for you. And it's a great way to chip in and, and help improve the public safety of our whole community. Well, we have a million more questions for you, but unfortunately, we are out of time. So maybe you can join us again sometime soon on Total Information AM. Always happy to, Debbie. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.